you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Well, our text for today is Romans chapter 6. But before we read it, let me tell you why we're reading it. Uh, This passage reveals an amazing change that took place when you came to Christ. This passage reveals an amazing change that took place when you came to Christ. When we truly understand what God did in the death and resurrection of Jesus, the result is not just a holy week, but a holy life. Knowing what Jesus did and how it applies to you when you invite him into your life gives you the freedom to become more like him. So let's read it together. This is Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Paul says, Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Verse 3. Or, have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. And then let's skip down to verse 10. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Verse 12, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Verse 14, sin no longer, sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Now there is so much in this passage. Uh, We're not going to be able to cover all of it today. But let me just highlight a few things. Let's go back to verses 1 and 2. Paul said, Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Now, that's, that's an interesting statement. Since we died to sin... And you might ask yourself, why did Paul say that we died to sin? How did that happen? You know, when you were born, many things happened automatically that you were not aware of. For example, the method of exchanging oxygen changed automatically. While you were in your mother's womb, you received oxygen from your mom. In order to do this, you had an extra artery that supplied blood to your lungs. But once you were born and you took your very first breath, that, art- that artery automatically shuts off now that you can breathe on your own. All that changed without you even knowing it. In the same way, there were things that happened to you when you were born again. When Christ entered your life, there were internal changes that took place that you were not aware of. One of those changes is found in Colossians 2.11. Let's read that together. Paul says, When you came to Christ, you were circumcised. 
but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. That's Colossians 2.11. Now, circumcision is a removal. It's a cutting away. And Paul says that when you came to Christ, there was a cutting away of your sinful nature. It was a necessary step in order for the Holy Spirit to come and indwell you since God cannot coexist with sin. There had to be an amazing change that took place within you in order for the Holy Spirit to come and dwell within you. God has imparted something supernatural in every one of us. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has become. The new life has come. You know, all of this is wonderful news, but there's a problem. Any observant Christian will know that sin is still alive and well. I mean, we struggle with it every day, don't we? I mean, even the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 7, he said, the things I don't want to do, I do. And the things I want to do, I don't. So how is it that Paul can say in Colossians 2.11 that we had this circumcision that is the cutting away of our sinful nature? And the key to understanding this is that we are not just physical beings. We are not just physical beings. We are spirit, soul, and body. Notice in Colossians 2.11, Paul said this is a spiritual circumcision. The area of removal is in your spirit. The area where the sinful nature was removed is in your spirit. Also notice this. In Romans 7.23, I don't think we have a slide, but you can make a note. In Romans 7.23, Paul mentions that sin inhabits the members of our body. That is, our physical body. So, putting the two together, here's what we have. Your spirit has been made pure, but your body still has sin. And that's why your spirit will go to be with the Lord, but your body still has to die. Because the result of sin is death. So, your spirit has been made pure, but your body still has sin. And this is why we still struggle with sin. The good news is this. Yes, there is a struggle. But you've been given the victory. You've been given the authority and you've been given the power to overcome. Here's a story to explain the idea. Once upon a time, there were three brothers. The oldest brother was given authority to care for the other two. The second brother was rebellious and tried to dominate the older brother. The youngest brother, he didn't like conflict. And so he decided just to agree with whoever won the battle. Now, the story of these three brothers is really a picture of you. You are made of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. And your spirit is like the older brother who has authority over the other two. You may not know it yet, but he does. The sinful nature inhabits the members of our physical body. The sinful nature is like the second brother. He's rebellious, and he tries to dominate the other. The soul, which is made of your intellect and your emotions and your will, is like the younger brother, who will go with whoever wins the battle. Fortunately, Jesus shares his victory over sin. He shares it with us. And your mind, your emotions, will eventually follow the winner. 
Now, you may take two steps forward and one step back, but the overall direction is to follow Christ. Since Jesus shares his victory with you, so what do you need to do now? Because Jesus shares his victory with you, when you're trusting him, what do we need to do now? And this passage gives us three applications. Application number one. Do not obey sin's desires. This is in verse 12, which we read. Paul said, Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. See, the difference between before Christ and after Christ is now you have a choice. There was a time when our spirit was not redeemed. It still had a sinful nature. And it was consistent with the sin that inhabits the members of our body. And so there was no conflict. Did you ever notice that? For those of you who came to Christ later in life, that as a non-Christian, you were a happy non-Christian. There was no conflict. <laughs> I enjoyed the party lifestyle and all those fun stuff that I, that I thought was you know, bringing enjoyment to my life. But after you became a Christian, did you notice a conflict began? Did you notice there was an internal conflict that all of a sudden it was like I didn't agree with myself? The battle began because now there was a difference. And when you're born again, your spirit is young and growing and you're, you're still gaining strength in your spirit. And the struggle seems harder. But the good news is this. The more you feed on the word of God and the more you walk with him and the stronger your spirit becomes, pretty soon, eventually what will happen is that your spirit will begin to dominate your body. Prior to that, the appetites of the body would dominate the spirit. It seemed like the default switch was to, to flip over to the sinful side. But as you mature in Christ, the default switch will flip over to a life of holiness. But it requires a perseverance to continue seeking God and being in his word so that your spirit can grow. But God has set you on that path and he's going to complete the good work he began. So do not let sin control the way you live. God gives insight into the nature of sin. The very first time that he ever mentioned it, ever mentioned sin, is in the book of Genesis. You remember Cain and Abel and, and what Cain did to his brother? Well, before he did that, you know, God knows everything. God tried to speak to him. And he said to Cain, why has your countenance fallen? In other words, why are you so upset? What's going on? He says, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? But if you do not do well, and here is the key. He said, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you. But you must master it. Now, you know, oftentimes we think of sin as a label for, you know, the don'ts are over here. We call these sins, and the do's are over here. This is the good life. And if you do something bad, that's called sin. It's not just a label to categorize certain behaviors. God gives insight into the nature of sin is actually an active force that desires to control you. And what happened when, when you came to Christ is God gave you an ability to have victory over that force that it can no longer control you, but now you can master it. God would not ask you to do something he would not enable you to do. He says, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. And he has made the way possible through Christ. He provided the way out. He gave us the victory over sin by giving us the Holy Spirit who shares the life of Christ in us. 
Now, sometimes people blame God when they struggle with sin. They say, well, I don't know. I just give up. I mean, maybe God just made me this way. (coughs) James chapter 1. Remember when you're being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone. Temptation comes from our own desires. You know, when we blame God, really, that's a form of denial. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So do not let sin control you. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin. This is application number two. This is from verse 13 that we read. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin. Paul said, don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Now the word to present means to yield or to surrender. And how many times have we surrendered our bodies to do things that God really didn't want us to do? You know, how many times did we allow our feet to take us places we shouldn't go? Or allow our mouth to speak words that hurt other people? Or allow our hands to do things not pleasing to God? Or our eyes to look at things that God doesn't want us to look at? Or allow our ears to hear trash in the world? Whether it be music or gossip or an accusation against someone? Do not present the members of our body to sinful practices. Application number three. Do not let sin be your master. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Now, here's the key to apply these things. The key is in verse 11, which says, In the same way, count yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. Let me share a story to illustrate this. The key is to count yourself dead to sin. Some translations say, consider yourself to be dead to sin. You know, Terry and I just came from a trip in Singapore. We were training pastors in the area of prayer ministry, and their training took place over the course of 40 counseling sessions and a couple seminars. And they had their own one week of personal counseling. And then they would sit in on all the counseling sessions, and they would observe... And while we were there, we had the opportunity to meet somebody that uh, was an old friend of ours from two years ago. We had been there. And we were uh, offering a course in prayer ministry, just like the one that we mentioned earlier. And she came in and she took the course. And uh, to our surprise, the very first day, she spent the whole day just crying. It was like noticeable in the group that she was having a very difficult time. And uh, the next day, she didn't even show. Uh, The pain of all the difficulty that was surfacing inside uh, was just too much. And she just decided, I'm not going. She just stayed home and rested the second day. And uh, to be honest, we wondered if we had made a mistake by allowing someone to kind of slip in under the radar and take the class who wasn't ready for it. 
But the third day, she came back, and she finished the eight-day course. And so that was two years ago. Fast forward two years later, we met her about three, four weeks ago, and she and her husband took us out to lunch. And you, you need to know the things that she was struggling with. She, she had a severe battle with depression. In fact, it was, it was a 20-year battle. It was, it was so bad that she could no longer work and she could no longer properly take care of her children. And thank God she had a husband who was tough. And he was faithful and he stuck with her and he compensated for what she was going through for 20 years. We met her three, four weeks ago and if you had not known her two years ago, you would not know this was the same person. She was vibrant. She was full of life. She was excited. She had gone back to work. She enjoys her kids. She enjoys teaching her students. And she's exercising, and she's all excited about life. And, you know, after lunch, they took us to the train station to say goodbye. And to appreciate this next part of the story, you have to know something about Singapore. Most people there ride the train. And there's kind of a culture that happens in the train. And, and everybody's on their device and just paying attention to themselves and nobody interacts with anybody else. They got their earphones in place and they're just riding the train to the next stop and everybody gets off and that's just the way it is. That's the culture there. And so we're standing in the train station waiting for our train to come and most of the people, by the way, in, in Singapore are Chinese. That's the primary ethnicity. And she's Chinese. And so, you know, you would expect her to be like everybody else. But we're in the train station, and she's talking to Terry about excitement in life and talking about health and, and exercise. And she goes, oh, yeah, I exercise every day. She goes, you know what, Terry? You can do this. You can go like this. Breathe in and breathe out. And we're in the train station where everybody's on their device like this. And she's like, you can do this 200 times, 200 times. And she's just going on and on. And, you know, I'm just kind of looking around like, okay. Okay. <laughs> But this lady, she later wrote a testimony of how God changed her life. And she said two years ago when she took the course, she learned some things. They were good things. She learned that the first step to getting victory over any habit or any pattern that is hurtful to myself or other people or my relationship with God, she said the first step is I have to recognize it. I have to be able to see it. I have to be able to label it, to put a name on it. You know, the, once you can name it, that's the first step to getting victory over it. And so she began to be able to see some things in her life. And not only could she see them, she desired to change. And she wanted to ask God to help her. And so she began to repent from some of her own responses that led to the condition that she's in. And she began to receive forgiveness. And she began to forgive those who had hurt her, that, to which she responded in a negative way. And all of that came back to her in the future. And so, you know, she, she got some breakthrough. And she continued to live life, but she noticed these reoccurring patterns kept coming back. She kept having a struggle with depression. She kept having a struggle in her response to her kids and to her students. And she's like, Lord, what is it? And just recently, just before we met her, she came to another, another revelation. The Lord reminded her, of what we just talked about a moment ago. And that is, not only do I need to recognize it and repent from it and receive forgiveness and forgive others, 
But I have to recognize, I have to consider and count those old habits and patterns as dead. This is what Paul is saying in Romans chapter 6. He's saying those things are dead. They no longer have power authority over you. They no longer control you. You now have a choice. And she says, I came to the realization that I have to consider that as truth. I have to receive that. I have to believe that. And I have to walk in it by faith. And she said, once she did that, those patterns and habits did not come back. They were dead. And she was dead to them. So why do we need to do this? In the same way, we need to discover a key to our freedom, to walk in the truth of what God has done for us. You should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus. God wants you to know that you died to it. There was an invisible supernatural thing that happened inside you when you came to Christ. You may not have known it then, but God's word reveals it, and he wants you to receive it and to walk in it and consider it as truth. Amen? A simple definition of death is this idea of separation. Death simply means separation. So when the Bible says that the result of sin is death, you know, Adam and Eve, when they disobeyed God, They thought, I'm still here. I didn't die. Maybe it's not true. But the truth is, they did get separated from God. They had to leave the Garden of Eden in the presence of God. It was only a matter of time before their body followed suit and they eventually died after they had been separated from the source of life. So when God says you're dead to sin, what he's saying is you're separated from it. He removed it from you. There was a circumcision. There was a cutting away, and he took it away, and it's been separated from you, and it's no longer connected to you. It's not a part of your inner essence and your inner being and who you really are. that good news? Amen. So I want us to enter a time of prayer and just say, God, what are you saying to me? Just want to invite you to turn your heart toward the Lord. Just turn your attention to him. And just say, God, what is it that you're talking to me about today? Is there an area in my life that you want me to apply this? And as you seek him, we're just going to take a moment to pray. We want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. Just going to give you some time alone with God. Lord, what are you saying to me? How does this apply? Let's pray. Father God, we come before you today. We thank you for this amazing gift that you've given us in Christ. Father, a new life. You've saved us from sin, from its power over us. And you've shared with us your victory to live above it. Lord, you know there are places in our heart where we've not yet applied this. There are parts of our heart where we, we don't really believe and are not really living by faith. Lord, and it's in those areas where we struggle.
Lord, where we're not living up to what we have attained. But Lord, you are calling each one of us to the next step. And Lord, just between you and me, we know what that step is, what you're calling me to do. And so God, I just present myself to you today. And in that area where you are highlighting it, gently and by love and with hope for a better future I present myself to you Lord I present myself in Christ I take my place in him and receive the amazing gift of salvation and the fullness of this package all that it entails and I ask God that you would unpack it and allow me to apply it today and this week in this area that you've highlighted in my mind and in my heart. And God, I turn away from trusting in myself and my own effort, and I rely on the finished work of Christ on the cross, what you have already accomplished. Lord, and I consider it done. I reckon it complete. Lord, I receive it as truth and ask that you would strengthen my faith to walk in it and to live a new way in this particular area that you've highlighted in my heart. If you would keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed, there may be some here today. You're hearing me talk about what happens inside when we come to Christ. But maybe there's someone here today you've not come to Christ yet. And you're here today because you are searching. And if you've never made a decision to invite Jesus into your life, and you feel like that's something that you'd like to do, I want to give you opportunity to do that. And we're going to simply pray and invite Jesus to come into your life. And I just want to invite you to pray with me. But before we pray, uh, I have a signal to know who I'm praying with, and that is if you would simply look up. When my eyes meet yours, I'll know that we're going to pray together. And so if that's something that you'd like to do, go ahead and look up at this time, and then we'll pray in a moment. Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay. All right. Yes. Anybody else? Okay. Okay, let's pray. God, I need you. Lord, I know you've been getting my attention and I'm responding today. Lord, I I sense that you're doing something. I don't necessarily understand it all, but I just know that it's you. And I'm taking a step here today by making a decision to open up my life and I want to allow you to come in and be a part of my life. Lord, I allow you to come in and reveal yourself to me and and do what only you can do in my heart. God, would you change me? Lord, you know the changes that are needed. You know the things I've done that have been hurtful to myself and to others. And most of all, Lord, that have separated me from you. And so I'm inviting Jesus to come into my heart and forgive me for everything that I've done. 
Father, would you forgive me? And would you give me a new start, a new life, and make me the kind of person you want me to be? And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I invite you to go to our book table and you can get a free booklet called One to One. And I want to encourage you to go through that with somebody. It's uh, better to experience God together and sharpen each other as you learn from each other. The second thing I want to invite you to do is uh, to get into the Bible. And when you get that booklet one-to-one, it'll give you some verses to read and your relationship with God will begin to grow. Sound good?